Hello and welcome to the Armenian News Network Rung. This episode was recorded on Thursday, August 25, 2022. In this Conversations on Grung episode, Hovik Manucharyan and I will be talking about why ANCA Chairman Rafi Hamparyan has sounded the alarm about the Biden administration's effective blocking of aid to Artsakh. To talk about this, we have with us Aram Suren Hamparyan, who is the executive director of the ANCA, the Armenian National Committee of America. Hello, Aram. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Asped. Good to be with you, Hovik. Hi, Aram. Last time we talked with you, it was May of this year, the Senate and Congress were allocating $45 million in aid to Armenia, as well as $2 million for Artsakh for demining and other projects. And last month, in July, four ANCA-based resolutions were adopted in Congress as well. But just two days ago, your chairman, Rafi Amparian, called on Congress to investigate why the Biden administration is effectively withholding this aid. Can you discuss what's going on? Sure. In the, in the months, more than a year now, uh, since Azerbaijan's attack in September of 2020, uh, the U.S. government has provided essentially no assistance to Armenians in Artsakh. There has been some assistance to uh, Armenians who were forced to flee Artsakh to Armenia, modest assistance under the pressure of Congress for demining, but essentially no humanitarian assistance for food, fuel, medicine, clean water, education or housing, things, things of that nature, the types of assistance that we provide to at-risk populations all over the world. And we do provide assistance, thank God, as Americans to, to vulnerable people all over the world. It seems though there's an asterisk, there's an exception, uh, which is not Artsakh. Artsakh is, is off the table. And that sadly, uh, Aspet and Hovik seems to be, in fact, is very clearly the result of an overarching policy, one that leans uh, toward Azerbaijan, one that accepts Baku's veto over even the distribution of U.S. humanitarian aid. So uh, we're battling that now. We are calling upon members of Congress and already seeing a strong response to those calls to challenge this administration to explain why is it that Artsakh gets no humanitarian aid? Why is that? Why can we provide so much support to Yemen or Ukraine or uh, Burma or Gaza, all these places that need help, get help? Uh, but not not our stuff. So we're going to shine a spotlight on that and uh, press this administration through our community, through our coalition partners, and through Congress uh, to answer that basic question: Why? Why no aid to our stuff? Uh, Aram, as as a citizen following the activities of ANCA for uh, decades now, I admire your effort. I, I can understand uh, what it would entail, for instance, to put pressure on the Congress or to put pressure on any elected official to get the uh, needs of our community heard and responded to. But how do you put pressure on an administration and many would call maybe like a sort of a deep state, an environment where many of these government administrators revolving door when they sort of join different lobbies and then maybe even come back afterwards? What is the strategy for addressing and trying to change the, the policy in such a sort of uh, opaque environment? Okay, I mean, this is a, a central question in our work and, and like a very fundamental existential question. Uh, I'll start with a quick story and then um, give you some analysis. I remember some years ago, a friend at the State Department, a friend who had been a friend since before he was at the State Department, said, you know, let, let's meet. And I uh, went over there and was going to go through security to, you know, go sit down with my friend. And he met me downstairs. He's like, let's go for a smoke. And I'm like, I don't smoke. He's like, come with me. So we walked over to a local park. And he, he started smoking. I don't smoke. And, and he's like, Adam, you're a problem. 
meaning the Armenian Communist problem, is that half the people in this building are auditioning for the next job. Half the people in this building are auditioning for the next job. And if they're involved even remotely in Armenia, then they're going to also be involved in something like Caspian Energy, which is a vast industry, or NATO and the armaments world, right. or, the, or the, the, the trade and corporate world. And those industries pay extremely well. And the people who work in our foreign policy establishment, defense establishment, intelligence establishment, know that very well. They know they can put their 20 years in, 25 years in, and then transition to a job that doubles or triples or quadruples their salary um, working for, let's say, the Caspian energy industry. And, and there's a long history of that. There are poster children like Matt Bryza, and there are many others who you've never heard of who do that. So that biases their work because they know that those hires will not take place uh, if they're not sympathetic to their future employer. And that's just like a hard reality uh, that we're up against. That's simply the environment we operate in. It's an uneven playing field, but guess what? This is the playing field and we have to, we have to, we have to work upon it and, and, and seek to make as much progress as we can. It's frustrating, but no, no call to throw up our arms, of course. Uh, in terms of the advocacy, and this is going to maybe be a little too granular, but I would, I would describe it this way. There's the geopolitical plane, and we have to engage those actors, those you might well call them deep state actors, career people. You have to engage them at the ge geopolitical level, and they're going to bring up Russia, Iran, energy, NATO, among another set of issues. And they're going to say, ask, are you guys on the right side of those issues? The Ukraine, for example. So without going into too much detail, the geopolitical plane is uh, complex and also very challenging. Right. It doesn't mean we should not operate on the geopolitical plane. We should be in front of these issue makers all the time, making the best arguments we can, presenting our, our case as persuasively as we, as we can. That's a geopolitical plane. Uh, another plane is like a civilizational plane or a cultural plane. Something like Armenians uh, have, a, have a European orientation. They are democratic. They, have, they are deeply rooted in uh, a diaspora, which is all over the world, including in the West. Uh, they, for example, in the United States, share a, a faith with many Americans, the, the Christian faith with many Americans. So you operate at that level, right? Recognizing that that is a long game. That's a long game. In any given instance, that's not going to be the decisive factor in, you know, to, to our benefit. But it will be foolish of us just as it would be foolish of us to count on that type of solidarity, it would also be foolish of us not to engage at that strata. That, that plane of activity is also very important for us. The third, and Hovik, I think this is a more direct response to your question. The third is constituency. We are geopolitical. We make a geopolitical argument. We have our cultural and civilizational arguments. But ultimately, ultimately, we are the constituency that can mobilize and activate uh, in the United States. If you accept that premise, then you would, the thinking would be something like this. We're not an especially large constituency, but pound for pound, we're an especially motivated constituency. So you then identify that resource set and you deploy it as best as you can in as many congressional districts and states as possible, as intelligently as possible, aggregate those grassroots constituency resources, aggregate them, direct them, target them toward one or two or three tops legislative priorities, and then work in that manner. In the process, bring in coalition partners, a small organization, a rather a small community, really the, you know, the two bread and, uh, bread and butter of, of relatively modestly sized communities is how well can you build um, coalitions? Mm -hmm. and, and we're very much into that. And also how much noise can you make, right? It's not a numbers game for the Armenian American community, except in select districts, but it's, okay. it's, it's, it's a noise thing, right? Our level is to, to raise our issue, to highlight, for example, the gap between what is and what ought. 
And if we draw those issues out to the public sufficiently, they tend to break in our favor. Like, for example, this is a bit off the field, but there was a, some plans in the works to sell F-16s to, to Turkey after they were denied F-35s. Right. And that was all going to happen, deep state, let's say, right behind the scenes. Everyone's, you know, well, it's good for um, whoever makes those jets, I think Lockheed, or it's good for um, you know, Turkey, good for NATO, and all these arguments. And then it gets all decided behind closed doors at DOD or state. And through some friends in Congress, we were able to draw, pull that out into the public and say, hey, let's just, why don't, why don't, why don't the representatives of the American people talk about that a little bit before that decision gets made? And it came out into the public, Congressman Pappas, Congressman Blown offered an amendment, and they, they won overwhelmingly. It turns out the American people, through their representatives in Congress, are uncomfortable with that. So that's a, an important part of our strategy is building coalitions, making a lot of noise, and then bringing our issues into the sunshine. I think the Artsakh issue, to the extent that it's debated openly, leans in our favor. To the extent that it gets decided behind closed doors, it's a much darker place. Yeah. Aram, the four resolutions we mentioned a little earlier actually have to do, one of them had to do with the F-35, F-16 issue that you just mentioned. Another one had to do with uh, Section 907 with Azerbaijan. Can you tell us overall what the Biden administration's record is in adhering to these resolutions? Okay. The answer is Biden administration has been very bad, much like the, the Trump administration was very bad. There's these the various set of policies, and, and some are addressed in these amendments and others have been addressed in other ways. Let's just like list some of the issues. Azerbaijan's war crimes, Azerbaijan's use of uh, prohibited munitions like white phosphorus and cluster cluster mm -hmm. bombs, Azerbaijan's recruitment of mercenaries, their, their uh, illegal detention and abuse of Armenian prisoners of war, uh, the destruction of, of churches and holy sites. It's a, like a laundry list, right? The U.S. Po US policy has been weak. I've been actually saying very negative on each of those, but because they fit into an overarching policy, uh, which basically had no problem at all with Azerbaijan attacking Artsakh in September of 2020. Here's like the, the litmus test. Let's, even in the face of Azadi President Ilham Aliyev openly boasting about starting and winning his war against the, the people of Artsakh, even in the face of his extremely public bragging about that decision and that action that he took, our U.S. government continues to talk about it as a, as a both sides proposition. Right as if there are two sides. It's not like mm -hmm. upwards of 90 million Turks to the West, another 8 million Azadis to the East. Not that it's like a 100 to 1 uh, military advantage. No, it's it's a 50-50 both sides thing. The very fact that the Biden administration, like the Trump administration before it, adopts that policy of, well, who's who knows who's to blame? Well, Az Ali have told you who's to blame. He, he, he thinks he thinks it's a, po a, a point of pride for Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. The fact that... Yeah. The fact that, let's say, in this case, the Biden administration has maintained that artificial even-handedness, the inevitable result of that falsehood, lie, moral failing, whatever you want to call it, the inevitable result of that is that all these other issues are that the U.S. will be on the wrong side of, of prisoners, of munitions, of mercenaries, uh, all the various things, including aid to Artsakh, right? All of these flow from an overarching policy, uh, and that that's at the root of it. So. Our effort is, is often the case like an arrayed effort. So challenge that core failure of policy, that the, the, the fundamental unwillingness of this administration to call out Azerbaijan. Like you, you, you try to break right. the back of that failed and flawed approach. Uh, but at the same time, you don't wait for that to happen be, uh, to work on other issues. So that's why we do press on aid to Artsakh, prisoners, munitions, mercenaries, war crimes, and all the rest. 
if someone is listening to this and they want to get uh, become engaged, would the website be the proper place to start, or how would you uh, ask people to get in touch with you? Sure, um, I would say check out our website anca.org. And there's nothing I enjoy more than hearing from Armenian Americans, our allies, our coalition partners. Uh, so my my email address is aram, a r a m at anca.org. I get lots of responses, lots of feedback. Some fun, some friendly, some a little less friendly, and I, I welcome it all. It's all part of the discourse, and and we can only learn when we hear when people are, are sharing their feedback with us. If you if you don't not comfortable on email, give me a call. My direct line right here at my desk is 202-742-8700. Perfect. 202-742-8700. Feel free to give a call if I'm not able to pick up. You can just leave a voice message, and um, you know we're happy to hear from folks. Always looking for ideas. Some of the most productive things that we've undertaken over the years have been suggestions that have been made to us by uh, uh, by, by, by by friends out, out in the world. All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you, Aram. We appreciate all the work you do night and day. Thank you, Osman. Thank you, Hopi. Thank you. That concludes this conversation's on Grung episode. Please find us on social media and follow us. We're active on Facebook, both as a group and as a page, as well as Twitter and YouTube. You'll find all of our links on our Linktree page, and we'll make sure that is easily accessible to you on our profile pages. Talk to you soon.